because one of the key things about when you actually approach a candidate is this you need to be able to ask answer the questions they have and every single time you say oh i don't know that i don't know that you lose them what I would say in regard to if you want to be on a manager is, is to take as many projects as possible. Take as many small little projects where you can actually start proving your, your leadership uh, in, in that area. It's, it's, it's the only way to get that sort of experience, to get that first step from being an IC to manager. And a lot of them actually do that by moving organizations. Welcome to the New Tech Lead Podcast. We help you to be more confident leaders by avoiding the traps of inexperience and gain perspectives from leaders in tech unlike theoretical videos. I appreciate you are here today. Let us bring more leadership skills to the business. Let's roll the interview. Hello and welcome. Today my guest is Lee O'Toole, Senior Sourcing Recruiter for EMEA at Salesforce. Sourcing for Salesforce, Cisco, HP, SAP, working in Europe and Asia. He identifies the talent of tech of the future. Welcome, Lee. For people who don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself and tell a little bit of the story about you and we go from there? I can do, Marvin. Thank you very much. Um, I've been in talent acquisition, recruitment, staffing, whatever guys you could say it, for over 20 years. I've done the majority of the roles from basic sourcing, recruiting, to consulting from an agency perspective, to leading country teams, regional teams, hiring for SAP, HP, obviously currently for Salesforce and also for Cisco. The first 10 years of my career, I focused on an agency hiring. So looking at a recruiting process, I'm as an applicant for sure now how it works from my point of view. I put in my CV or letter of motivation, all the, the items I have to put into the system. And then the recruitment process starts. I somehow get into the interview process and then at the end I get an offer or I don't. Looking at the whole perspective and, and recruiting process from the other point of view, it's probably where your experience comes in. So what does a recruiting process look like from a, from a corporate point of view? From a corporate perspective, where you enter this sort of process as a candidate that's halfway through the process the initial start of the process is the management raising the request uh, at the back end with the hr and they agree with finance before a position is actually approved it's only when the position is approved like that that the recruiter should be marked in because then the, the role is live you know, and they can actually recruit forward what should happen in a good process is you should be advised when you first speak to the recruiter how the interview schedule will go but the initial aspect of joining as a CV to get into the interview, that tends to be the black hole for a lot of people. And that's basically because of a lot of applicants at the time, depending on the organization, but also the situation that it goes along. Let me explain. Occasions their role is approved, they start the process. So they open up the advertisements, they leave the, leave the advert for one week to get some response in. And after that, things have changed, for example. So maybe they go on a freeze or close, et cetera. That's one of the times when you, you, know, you don't get proper response. Moving forward into the interview process, then when you've actually got to the interview, again, each company will be different in decide how they do the interview process. It could be three-stage mm -hmm. interview, it could be a panel interview, or some organizations want seven-stage interviews. Um, that up to the corporate. Ideally, it should be more than three-stage interviews. And then you move into the offer stage. The offer stage should be a multiple factors with HR, hiring manager, 
and also rec recruiting recommendations. And that will all depend on the, not only just the marketplace and what the market's paying, but also internal equity. Now, that's a very brief overview because it's a very difficult thing to say in regards to the recruitment process because a lot of them are very different in the aspects of it, but they're the three main areas. The approvals, the actual recruitment, and then the sourcing and selecting the candidates, and then the interview, proce the interview process and offer. Okay. So starting as a new tech lead, I am looking for a backfill or I have an open position. So how much time does the whole process until I have finally a candidate in my team would, would take me? Because right now I'm thinking of, okay, I'll put outside the requirements and then in, in one week I have the people ready to get interviewed. Like from, from beginning to actually where the 50%, the recruiting process starts, how much time should I think of? Specifically, if I'm totally fine with my team, but at any time, pretty much, someone can jump off my team. Okay, again, again, each company is different. I'll explain the reason why. Certain corporate organizations make sure all the headcount is signed off in head office. And that naturally works with delays. I've worked at organizations where the actual approval for the headcount can take as long, as minimum as six weeks, but as long as three months. Because again, there's lots of factors involved some, some organizations make the manager put the business case why they actually need the individual. Again, other ones is simply logistics uh, about all going through head office and, and delays turning around then. The bit that is quite clear, because most organizations who have a recruitment policy will actually monitor this, is from the position being approved to the person accepting the offer. That is actually monitored by most ATS systems. Now, depending on positions and depending on countries as well, that would vary. Say, say they look for, for Europe, excluding France and Germany. That process from opening the position to interviewing normal normal sort of seller positions take about 40 to 60 days. Germany and France take a lot longer. Oh, wow. Now, the main reason for Germany and France taking longer, it takes a lot longer to respond responses. Oh, really? Yes. It's in the film. Also, as well, the, both Germany and France have the long notice period at the end. So, again, if you look at the UK, for example, where a situation where you've had the direct approved within, say, six weeks because you're in a corporate, you've done your 45 days recruitment, you've offered your candidate, then you've got four weeks notice. Whereas in Germany, not only do you have the three months notice, it has to be at the beginning of the month in some cases. So if you offer the person, say, on the 5th of January, that person wouldn't be able to join you till the 1st of May, so it's three, four months. Uh, France, similar thing about the about notice period. Again, the, it's very, very easy to get information on from a rec approved to offered, because that's what all recruiters time to fill. They're actually all, all measured on, to be very frank. But the, the issue is, though, when a lot of managers like yourself are talking about the recruitment experience, you're talking about the entire experience. So from the, from, from the creation of requisition, asking for it, the person being on board. So again, if you put that to Germany, you, that could be a six-month period. It could be even longer. And if you did it, um, so, but within, within six months, you say, wow, that means the recruiter's probably done the hiring in about three, four weeks. Uh, but then again, if you do the average uh, 40 days, et cetera, it'd be even longer. And one thing I have to say is it a lot depends on positions and also the, the countries as well. And I said, I, I call out Germany and France and the Europeans in, say, Asia-Pacific, it's Japan. 
but that tends to be the difficulty. I actually never thought about the whole recruiting process. I, from my experience, know like oof, after putting in my CV, it takes a couple of weeks. But looking at the whole process, I totally neglected the whole decision making, be uh, starting with the headcount approval or legitimization of the headcount. So it's astonishing for you to share the, the country differences mentality differences, Very culture different. differences, area differences, and even corporate culture differences. Oh, some, different. some processes might buy, might be automatized by automation. You have a headcount, now someone leaves, so you're minus one. So you're auto-approved to start the recruiting process, um, probably the future. I think, sorry to interrupt, and again, one of the biggest thing is how, how much the role is desirable. I've had roles before where literally over a week, I've had 180 responses. Oof. <laughs> you know, in some cases, I've literally had a situation where I've had over four, 500 applicants for a role. And again, that's where could, that can delay the process even further because you need to be reviewed. Even in a simple aspect of saying it takes five minutes to review a CV, you know, if you've got 100 CVs there, that's 500 minutes. Which is, which is quite wide, you know. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of moving parts. But as you said, within the industry, we're very, very focused on the time to fill, which is record-proved to, to offer. But to outside and to the candidate, you know, especially to the, the hiring manager, they see the entire time. So that's why a majority of the time you find uh, businesses saying it takes too long to hire because they look at the phone, needed the person to get them on board. Okay, wow. That is mind-blowing that it takes so much time. So looking at just a, a, a tiny portion of the process, you're a senior sourcing recruiter. So I believe you're very specialized in the topic of sourcing. Yes. Can, can you elaborate on what step within the recruiting process in sourcing and who works with you together? Is it HR? Is it the tech manager? I have the headcount approved. Now I still have to work out with HR what kind of process I, or profile I'm looking for. What's next? Okay. Once a headcount's approved, that's basically when sort of HR will pass, pass a manager off to the recruiter. Mm -hmm. And then the recruiter will then talk the manager through the recruitment process internally for everything, what he has to do and what he can't do, for example. Now, once that's instigated, there's two options here. I go for the traditional route. The recruiter will sit down with the sourcer, but no, they'll only sit down with the sourcer for a role they believe they're not going to get applicants for. Oh, okay. For a role that's difficult. Whereas, so the sourcer wouldn't be at every single seat. Now, also because of that nature, and most sources are used for nicheness, though some are used for multiple hires, but it's different from, from what I do. Because of that, some of the sources might get a head start. So, for example, uh, if I was doing uh, architects, I would already have a finger in the marketplace of architects or lists, so I wouldn't be starting fresh. Okay. Because the, the source and process from fresh takes a while. So, for example, if I meet you today yeah, as a manager and you tell me what you want normally, it'd be a minimum of two weeks before you've seen any profiles. Okay. Because the first thing is I have to go out, I've got to go identify, I've got to screen, then I've got to approach. Now, this is where we lose control. I'll send out emails to approach somebody. I have to wait for them to respond to me. Mm -hmm. And that's where they lay. So if I put out, for example, say 30 emails on a Friday, the response to that may take two, three, in Germany case, four or five weeks. Really? 
yeah. So, for example, you've, you've identified the 30 candidates you, you want to do. You've mm-hmm. done the approach, but your best candidates have an approach back to you. You've put forward your, your candidates you've actually got, and then just as the other candidates are starting in the second round of interview, your star candidate comes through and replies. <laughs> Sorry, Lee, I've been really, really busy. Because the thing you have to recognize is people who are strong at what they do are not tenant in the marketplace. They're not looking. They don't look at LinkedIn every day. They don't look at these messages. So one of the key things with sources is how am I going to, A, make sure he sees my message, and B, mm-hmm. get something that gets him interested. You know, that's very key because let's be very honest, people are getting pinged everywhere. You know, there's multiple uh, recruiters out there, multiple companies, all essentially saying the same thing. Because by differentiating you and your company to get them to respond to you and to get them into the interview process. And I said that the source and basis is can be wide again. The other way sourcing is used is for multiple roles. Okay. It's like maybe in lower level SDR roles, etc. with 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 actually a lot of churn. Uh, but I do strategic sourcing, which basically means things that are very difficult, things that you don't get through advertisements. So SDR? Oh, sales development rep- uh, representations. Okay. First line sales in regards to booking appointments, that sort of thing. Okay, got it. Because there are so many acronyms. Might be a senior developer for responsive web design. Very true, yeah, very true. You basically have a pro-anticipated profile by the people manager slash recruiter, because... Maybe sometimes people managers have the technical and functional perspective and then recruiting comes in with the culture or diversity requests. Is that something that comes up more and more? We try to imprint the company's directive of this in regards to the culture, etc. in certain lines. But at the end of the day, the hiring manager is the decision maker. Okay. You know, So we will discuss with the hiring manager, obviously make sure they go from the wrong way. And we'll basically go and get what we want the hiring manager to receive. There's times we've got to address them, but at the end of the day, they are the decision maker. In most cases, I say in most cases, because there are some cases where the hiring manager is not the decision maker. That's very rare. Okay, wow. So looking at sourcing, I much more have experience with headhunters than, than sourcing in general. So can you explain the difference or is there even a difference? There's not really a difference. Uh, Technically, you would say sourcing came out of headhunting, but sourcing is the key to recruitment. You know, mm-hmm. Sourcing essentially is whenever you go out to identify talent for your organization and it's not coming into you. you know, so okay. whether it's you know, uh, you're doing it through LinkedIn, whether you're going to uh, seminars, uh, whether you're going to events, et cetera, et cetera, that's all sourcing. You know, the difference is, is the... Headhunter industry through the agency industry was ahead of the game. And it's only when organizations decided, right, can't start paying agencies so much more, we started to build their own in-house recruitments. So a lot of those uh, names came across. But there's no essentially difference between sourcing and headhunting. Okay, so it's basically a cooperation structure between agencies versus in-house sourcing. Yes. Okay, got it. So searching for individuals... I guess, well, I've seen a lot of people in tech probably got this automation standard texts. Hey, we identified your profile. You're one of the 9,000 people working in tech in Europe. You're amazing for fit for specifically our company and our company demands. So how do you first identify the individuals who probably 
probably might fit. Sometimes I read profiles and don't even know what they are doing at the current company. See, that's where the key, the skill, the job role comes in. Now, what you described there is an automated process where 9,000 people are getting spammed an email. And the problem is, is that happens all the time, and you can see that straight away. Response rate's very, very low. There are, Absolutely. There are a couple of tricks you can do. As I said, the first thing is, is get the person's attention. You know, now, obviously, it's, you can't really be phoning at work, et cetera, and all that. You know, that's when you're working for a company, mm -hmm. an agency, yes. Not, not when you're working for a company. So what I would actually do is I always connect with them in LinkedIn when I mm -hmm. send them the, the email. You know, and also as well, any profile I've done, sometimes I don't know if they're right for the role because there's not enough information. You know what I mean? So yeah. you need to keep it and say, keep it as, as open as much information as possible. So I would say, look, I've got a role that may be of interest to you. Are you open for a potential career discussion? And then maybe then underneath, that would be the base, but underneath be a little bit of information about, say, your current organization, a, little, a few taglines. But that's essentially the key. As a source, you'll have multiple approach emails. So if I look at, and you're always refining them. If I put a mail out and I get no response, I'll drop it. You know, so you yeah. refine, refine them. I would say, right at this occasion now, I have at least 40 to 50 different uh, approach emails. Wow. Some are very tight, some with job deductions attached, some with information, some with details of the person's LinkedIn profile embedded in their approach. So you can actually, the person can see, all I'm saying is, I've read your LinkedIn profile, and I'm not a spammer. And once people realize it's actually more working into it, you tend to be more responsive. Is there any input you also need from the people manager? What's specifically very special or unique about the team he or she is hiring for? Well, as part of the due processes for any recruiter or sourcer, you're going to be speaking to external candidates. You need to show them the whole the whole momentum. If you're just pitching a single job, you know, I mean, it's very short term. You got a, the information I tend to take along is why the role is there. Is it a backfill? Is it a new fill? You know, if, if the person's moved on, what do the last two people that moved on with the organization, what do they do? What roles did they take? What options are in there? So you actually, so again, you're not just selling them the role, you're selling them the company. So first of all, I thought it's very, very one by one process. So I'm a tech, a tech lead. I work with the HR and you're my dedicated sourcer. Right now, what I'm hearing is much rather I, as a people manager, talk to HR. They throw my headcount, so to speak, in, in the tech bucket or a specific tech bucket. And then this bucket of specific tech candidates we are looking for in the company is put on your table and you kind of sort them out choose circles where companies or the, the roles might fit in and then define the profiles you are looking for or hunting for. Step back first. When when the, the managers were passed on to recruitment, mm -hmm. it'll then depend on how the recruitment works. Okay. So, for example, it would, as I said, it's each different corporate team are different. So, I mean, you'll have a, maybe have a recruiter that is dedicated to a skill set so, a, so, for example, a European a sales recruiter, and all they do is sales. Well, someone else does corporate functions, well, someone else does that. Where another style is for a regional recruiter to cover the whole area, so they'll have all, all aspects. But either way, the, one of the issues tends to be is managers don't have the same recruiter all the time. They tend to be, can be different. Once they've catastrophe the recruiter, this is when the recruiter or sourcer will actually get the information out of them they need, right? In regards to this, what are the must-haves? 
How much experience does what, what does this have? Also get some details about the team, how many is in there, etc. And, and all the information you're getting are selling points. Selling. Because one of the key things about when you actually approach a candidate is this. You need to be able to ask, answer the questions they have. You know, every mm-hmm. single time you say, oh, I don't know that, I don't know that, you lose them. You know what I mean, uh, one of the biggest things in the world, you know, if, if anyone ever says, what's the manager like? And say, oh, I've never met him. <laughs> it, it, it's game over. So it, it's about giving them all the information they need. And that's what you're pulling out. The manager will have criteria what he wants and that'll fit in. But to be honest, a lot of managers have wish lists. And if you leave the manager to give, to give me what they want, 90% of it I'll ignore. Uh, if I look at a job specification of some managers, I'll say, well, that looks great. You give me a list for a senior sales leader. I know a window cleaner that fits that. Drunk, go-getter, will, 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 you know, all these soft skills. Yeah. You know, where sometimes they, they are important. It should be more about what they want them to do and the experiences to do that and the competencies behind that. Mm. Where I said, well, a lot of the managers left to their own opinions don't actually have a clear insight in the head of what they're looking for. It's only when you start going through the process with them, you start to picture something in the head with them. Now, that's really important because one of the biggest issues we have as social recruiters is managers will say, oh, I want a Java developer. That's all you need to know. You go out, you source, you give them three Java developers. I know, yeah, but they've all got to have JavaScript. Okay, off I go. Come out with JavaScript. And you've got to have DHTML and HTML as well. You're building a person spec the hardest way possible. And that's what the back and forth, whereas that's what the discussion with the manager is. You're building a person spec. Okay. Not a job person spec about what you want the person to do, what not they're going to be doing, and how they've been doing that. And that will make it clear. With that, I said nine, nine times out of 10, until you do that with the manager, the manager hasn't got a clear mind view of what he wants. So searching for individuals, what has changed over time in terms of demand and what do you throw in as a, what you feel like, or what do people managers have to think of right now? Because what I was hearing is that they come with the, what they need to have to execute the job, whereas it takes much more than skill A or skill B. It's also about mentality, culture, what kind of experiences or is it corporate is it uh, small to medium-sized businesses is it working in country xyz with international projects so there are so many things and attributes coming our way what tends to be more and more important tech leaders forget about or neglect in their evaluation of what they're looking for that's an interesting question what I'd say, if I'm very direct and honest in this one, is until you've had that conversation with us, they just don't know. You know, they got a very loose idea. You know, as, as, when you have that initial, some companies call it requisition consultation, you know, so with the manager, that's when you can pull out because you just don't know. You know, it, it, it's really a flip of the coin. I said, it could be that he wants international experience, but then in, in this case, it might be, well, Actually, my entire team's got this. I only want this now. Oh, it really depends on each, on each individual. The technical side, you can tend to get because it's, it's quite standard, but it's experience behind the technical side, as in worked in insurance companies, worked in banking, worked in hospitality. Uh, they're the things that, that become different. You know, one of the things that, you know, 
we all use quite regularly is to remind managers of the right way of doing things, you know, against ageism, etc. You know, I mean, you know, similarly, well, I've, I've got, I've got, you know, my whole team's men who try to advise about diversity. This this area as well, which comes comes on, but about the actual competencies that they miss. It's very difficult to identify one because each one's different. It's very individual. So I've, I've conducted thousands of manager consultations, and I'll be very honest with you, I probably couldn't even get five on one page to be the same. Wow. I mean, it's really because it, it's about the time in, in, in the year, what they're looking for. You know, are they looking for a hunter sale, looking for an account sale? And a lot depends on the situation they're currently in. You know, he might have just got a great big account on board. You know, so he's like, I want, I want more an account person here. We might, we might be getting kicked for numbers. So because he's getting kicked for numbers, he's going to be very focused. I want to get someone for the competition so he can bring his book with him. <laughs> you know, so as I said, each one is very, very different. You know, and again, it's, and there's lots driven, not just from the manager's perspective, from the client behind that as well, if that makes sense. So, so thinking of a new tech lead or m me aspiring to become a leader, and now you're searching for leaders or soon to be leaders and you're the sourcer. What do I have to think about as a applicant or as an aspiring candidate? How are you finding me on LinkedIn or on other occasions on the internet? Probably LinkedIn is it's very big. So even though you're on there and they have algorithms as well behind that, you know, you only see certain, you only pull up certain profiles so many times in your searches. So I, I do a search, I get 10 pages of searches. I don't look at the last four pages. Well, but because of that, I've done it all the time. There's profiles now that I can't see. There's, there's two parts to your question. The one is about how to be visible to a recruiter, to a headhunter. Yeah. You know, uh, the other one is about what they can do to be a manager. What I would say in regard to if you want to be on a manager is, is to take as many projects as possible. Take as many small little projects where you can actually start proving your, your leadership uh, in, in that area. It's, it's, it's the only way to get that sort of experience. Unfortunately, a lot of people struggle to get that first step from being an IC to manager. And a lot of them actually do that by moving organizations. So, for example, you have a, an, an IC in a huge organization like HP or SAP. They'll go off to a small organization to get a management experience. When the management, well, HP or HP are looking for a manager, they now fit their criteria because they have the two years experience as a manager, managing teams of, of their size. The problem we've got with sources are we are tending to use to go and get the end product. So when I get my remit, my remit may be I want a sales manager with experience on managing teams or to eight people and a P&L of at least 30 million. You know, you've got to be large enterprise sales guys, all these deals, et cetera, et cetera. That's what we we struggle to do. Areas in regards to bringing them up internally in big organizations, you'll have uh, talent development people involved with HR, and they would actually work with internal people to bring them up into management in, in large MNCs. But again, you only have so many places for that. And again, unfortunately, I say unfortunately, I think it is, a lot of people tend to leave the big companies to get the management experience for companies and then come, come, come back to big companies afterwards. Uh, in my experience, it's, that's been quite at least 60-70% of the time. I think companies are changing a lot now and playing using talent development to sort of bring up the skill set. But it's that issue. They want that experience of leading. 
and it's taken their their the leap of faith with somebody to do that and even when they work for the company sometimes they don't get it wow that's really insightful so lo- looking into your past experience uh starting more than 20 years and and right now at at salesforce how do you see the demand for individuals change like what are the attributes or or perspectives managers have on hiring i think it's improved drastically i think managers are now being more led into looking up around what they just want what, what i mean by that is this sometimes when a manager's hiring hiring mini me's and it's very very small in, in a view of what he's looking for even though all the people for example if you've been selling if you've been doing say i don't know tech you've been doing development on the back end for an insurance company realistically there's not that much difference if you're going to be doing for a banking company or a retail but some managers are very tight now because of the way I hate using this word because I don't like it. The, the, the woke way of society, people have been more open about being more flexible and more understanding to other people. Managers are starting to realize that they have to give something to people as well. If you look 10 years ago in the recruitment processes, the, a lot of the managers were like, well, I hold the power, you perform to me. Now, the way things are going, is the, especially in tech, the managers are starting to realize that they have to sell to the candidate as well. It's mm-hmm. not about the candidate just performing to them. They have to sell it as well because people are in demand. So what I say, the one difference is it's not a thing they look for, the fact that managers now have to actually sell to candidates, which is a big difference in my opinion. It's a, a huge difference uh, because of the amount of choice candidates have. And that is basically because of the improving technology and options. With working from home now, you're, you're not stuck to only working for the companies with a certain radius. True. It basically increases your options. You know, I think that, that that's quite key. And the since the pandemic, there's definitely been a switch from people realizing that they're being interviewed, even though they're not manager, that they're being interviewed as well. The candidates are interviewing the company just as much as they are, and that's become a lot more prevalent and not and they realize a lot more. That's why you're seeing a lot more social media aspects to companies. You know, a lot more uh, Facebook actually just to try and get the branding up there because I realize it's, it's it's actually very important to make a huge difference. Wow, that brings me to the question, do you feel people managers prepare enough for interviewing the individual candidates? Because in my experience, sometimes I I was a little bit sad that the people managers were not prepared enough for interviewing. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, again, that's where things are changing good, what, cleverly now, and we are starting to train managers. And interviewing interviewing is a skill you know i think previously we were managers were just left alone to do that by themselves but with this new change we're starting to, to get effective one organization i was in we did a review of uh, the interview practices mm-hmm. of managers after reviewing three interviews we stopped every single interview until every single manager was trained Wow. What people don't realize is, is recruitment, interviewing is a technique, there's a skill to it. There's a thing, there's a thing to doing it. Just because that guy's a good sales guy or a good programmer doesn't mean he can interview. And what I would say is that in the past, there's been, there hasn't been enough support to managers to realize this. Now it's great. Like, oh, I like Salesforce got full training for interviewing, etc. Uh, but that's the, the big thing. Um, on the whole, 
previously in the past, managers were just not ready for it at all. You want to get about that a little bit about the mentality of, I'm here, you're performing to me, what I have to get ready for. You know, mm-hmm. and as things are moving away the other way, they realize they have a responsibility to deliver information as well. You know, and I think that, that's key. But still, I think you'd find there's a lot of people who, who maybe in small organizations, et cetera, who've never had formal interview training. You know, uh, and the, the issue is, is without the formal interview training, how do you know they're actually getting the right information to make an informed decision? Yeah, absolutely. So looking at becoming a new tech lead, when would you advise me to lean in into getting the right skills for interviewing? Because I start right out, I have to understand what am I doing in the first 90 days? And I feel right now that right after that, I also have to consider my backlog of candidates, my open hat counts, my potential open hat counts, because it might take so long, such as six months to get someone new into the team and fill that position. And then at some point I need to get trained for, for interviewing and how to do it correctly. Well, there are quite a lot of little training companies who do virtual training. That's what a lot of the companies actually, like, the likes of, sort of SAP, Cisco, et cetera, use to deliver a lot of this, this, this training. So there are a lot of options out there. Um, I would definitely advise doing some training of sorts. If it's not available in your organization, uh, doing some yourself because it will help you an awful lot. What I, I personally delivered this training to, I've delivered a number of these training courses to managers. And what I would say is across the board, a lot of the managers are like, oh, it's like an aha moment for them. Mm-hmm. When you explain, when you go through it, explain the system chain negative. And also down to the fact of, if you haven't got structure in place, you can't compare them correctly. You know, I don't know any trainings off, off my head straight away, but there's lots out there that are delivered by recruitment companies or LinkedIn have a few as well. Mm-hmm. But it's always a good starting place. Because uh, remember, well, what people forget is this is a job. It's a skill. Just as programmer, just as manager, just as marketing. But essentially, the recruiting aspects have been ignored a little bit. You know, if the agencies do that. They're different. <laughs> you know, it's only now we're starting to sort of realize that actually it's not that easy after all. Wow. I learned so much today. Thank you so much, Lee. Looking back what we all covered We started with the whole recruiting process and that it doesn't start as with the applicant and the CV of the applicant. It actually starts with the manager and open headcount and the five to six different phases moving along until the, the offer phase. We moved towards the specifics of sourcing, what sourcing means and what actually you as a senior sourcing recruiter is doing, specifically working with individuals or people managers and HR together and how the whole process in essence works. We then moved over to what kind of people expectations people managers come with, specifically if they are inexperienced in the space of getting new people on board and that this actually changes from skill-based sourcing to much rather culture ethical background ideas of what they are looking at so much more soft skill driven than than hard driven something i i wouldn't find on your linkedin profile or in your cv so yeah until you actually talk to people and then we move to the future 
what has changed in the past, yeah. specifically that I as an individual contributor have to apply to the company and the privilege of working at a company switch to actually an exchange in relationships that it is a handshake between the company and myself. So tech people or, or people managers have to put way more work in to actually bring the positive side to me as a applicant. Benefits you've got to be to join an organization. Why should it work? Oh, true. It, it is the change. benefits. Yeah. And then in the end, as last topic, we discussed the skill of interviewing and that every tech leader should spend some time on interviewing such as programming you wouldn't start coding something without any idea of of doing you would get trained properly and this is the same for the whole recruiting process and for the interviewing part yep so hopefully all soon all interviews should be trained and it'll make life a lot easier definitely <laughs> thank you so much thank you very much marvin thank you for listening to the new tech lead podcast This interview was presented to you by Marvin and the new Tag Lead production team. Special thanks to our guest and interview partner. Follow us for more podcasts, check us out on LinkedIn, or visit our website, newtechlead.com. Happy learning and leading. Cheers.